The views and opinions expressed by the following program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station or Webster Rock Hill Ministries, its management or other hosts or underwriting sponsors. Programs presented by KWRHLP are for educational and entertainment purposes only. Hello, St. Louis. This is Arnold Stricker. L.A. Wharton is on assignment. You're listening to In Tune, which is a two-hour weekly broadcast focusing and reflecting on issues that impact and connect our community in the greater St. Louis area. Our topics include the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, history, housing, humor, and justice. In studio today, we have some very, very special guests because they have a real passion for uh, preserving the past and making sure that the future understands what architecture and art have done in our community. And they are uh, uh, Amrit and Amy Gill. Amrit, welcome to In Tune this morning. Amy, good to see you again. Thank you for coming this morning. Thank you for having us. They are, they have developed the, well, I ought to let them talk about the the magnificent hotel that's downtown, Hotel St. Louis, which is a Louis Sullivan uh, architectural beauty. And many times we hear in our city about the Wainwright Building, that it's, uh, you know, one of the first the first skyscraper that was el- ever developed, but we've not really heard about this particular building, and I had the, the pleasure of uh, taking a tour with them this morning and looking at that, and it's just an unbelievable facility. You guys have done a tremendous job. Thank you very much on behalf of St. Louis. Oh, thanks. It is the uh, former Union Trust Building, um, located at 705 Olive. And for years, it was an office building. It, we're actually the second owner so um, of a building that was built in 1890. So That's crazy. That, yeah, it's hilarious, isn't it, that we're the second owner? But it was owned by the Sella family, and um, they sold it to us. Um, and um, it, it was for years an office building and then primarily vacant over the last 10 or 15 years. And um, so we had the opportunity to buy it from the Sala family and uh, create Hotel St. Louis, which is our homage to the city of St. Louis. And that's going, that's a uh, Marriott Hotel, is that correct? It's a Marriott autograph. It's part of their autograph collection. So it's not your average Marriott Hotel. It's a luxury boutique hotel, 140 rooms. Um, and it has uh, two restaurants, a sky bar, pool, uh, ballroom, and spa. And then um, uh, it's just, but it's a wonderful architectural gem. Well, it's interestingly enough, the tagline for uh, autograph collection is exactly like nothing else. And this building is exactly like nothing else. Really? That's, that's interesting. And, and the tagline for Lewis Sullivan, which is very, very famous... Form follows function. Form follows function. And he he really did that in this particular facility. Uh, as you described what it was like, and there's, there are no pictures that you said you found uh, of the interior at all. Well, it's very unusual for a Lewis Sullivan <coughs> building to not have interior photographs. But um, we contacted the foremost Lewis Sullivan authorities across the United States, guys that spend basically their entire lives just cataloging and uh, uh, documenting his work. And none of them could find any interior photos of this building. And the Sella family had the building built. So we thought, well, they must have interior pictures and they don't have any either. So it was kind of a fun guessing game. We had a friend of ours from the National Park Service came down 
um, and was poking around in the ceiling of the then second floor. There was no, we have an atrium now. And he said, oh, there was a skylight here. You can tell because it was a New York style skylight, the the glass pucks, right? Mm -hmm. And he said, there was a skylight here. And so we started digging around and sure enough, there was a skylight there. And then from that, we realized that there must've been a stained glass skylight. And then from that, when we were doing demo, we had decided to do that. And then we found a piece of it buried in the ceiling under four other layers of ceiling. It was unbelievable. That's crazy. That's crazy. And is there, are there plans to reconstruct that or show that at some point at time? Yes. Yes. The young man who's doing our um, stained glass, who's a local St. Louis guy, his name's Adam Johnson. He is going to take that piece, that Lewis Sullivan piece, and um, and fix it. Right. We don't really want to do much to it other than fix it and put it behind glass. And then we'll be displaying it at the hotel. Now, what are some things like that? I've always I'm always curious about these things. What are some surprises that you uncovered like that? Are there any th- any other things like that that you uncovered? We found two bands of his original plaster, and that allowed us to uh, uh, replicate that plaster and put it where we think he would have had it in, in that uh, two-story atrium. Because I think what happens a lot of times is in periods of remodeling or things like that, people cover over things because it's not, quote-unquote, stylish at the time. Because even in the front... Uh, as I was reading, and you could speak more to this, the original windows were round, and and in the twenties, the early twenties, they gave it an Art Deco look and made them square. What do you know any more about those kinds of things? Well, I think they made them square. My guess is because they took up a lot of space. But the other thing is they wanted to put more retail on the first floor. The space was expensive. This was the most expensive piece of ground and building in the United States for over 30 years, right? And in common terms, if you were to take that money and extrapolate it to today, it would be one of the most expensive pieces of real estate ever. And uh, so what they did was they made these square windows. They got rid of the arched opening on the front of the building and put in a square opening so they could add more retail. Um, when we went back, we wanted to put the original round windows back in on the second floor, but the Park Service said that we could not do that because it's a historic project. It's governed by the National Park Service, and they said because it was changed to the square windows during what they call the period of significance of the building, we could not do that, but that we could take and put back the 1920s entrance, which we could replicate exactly. So now what we've done is in cast stone, we've replicated the original 1920s entrance. Because it's interesting when you look at those very, very old pictures of the original round windows and then see what has been done, what was done in the 20s to convert it. Uh, you know, it really, it kind of takes the front of the building and almost rubs it off, yes, changes it. And there are some, what, on the west side, still some round windows, the originals that- Yes, along the alley. Yeah, in a place nobody ever goes. Right, well, we preserved them, and we actually have a couple of them in our, one in a boardroom and one in a meeting room. And they are fabulous because those windows, uh, when we were uh, talking about that down there, they actually open up in a variety of ways to allow air to to move and flow through the building. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. Uh, Even the large center panel pivots so that you can just pivot it open. He had, out of the five pieces of glass in each round window, all of them opened. 
back in, you know, 1892 or whatever. And that building was also known to be one that was supposed to let a lot of light in. Uh, it was one of the, what, first examples of that to, uh, you probably know, again, more, more know about that than I do. And there's tons of light in this building. They're, the windows are enormous. And he really believed in letting light and air into the building. It's funny, in most hotels, you can't open the windows. People don't want you to open the windows. They have positive pressure and it costs more, you know. And when we were looking at it, we said, okay, we're not going to do that. We're going to make it so all the windows open, right? So that people can have fresh air in their room if they want to. But also because that's what he would have originally designed and what he wanted was people to be able to get fresh air. Obviously, we have to meet code. So we have window restrictors. You can only open them so far. Right, right. Not enough to jump out. Right. (laughs) (laughs) A little safety factor there. So when, uh, you know, I, I... I have a million questions here, and it goes back to, you know, Amy, you have a an undergrad in history, in, uh, or Amrit, you have an undergrad in history and archaeology and uh, MBA, and Amy, you have a, a degree in political science. How do you get into the business of restoring these kinds of buildings? Because this is not your first. You did one in Iowa, uh, and... You, you have a lot of projects going on in the St. Louis area that you've done. You've done the Moolah building and, you know, just unbelievable kinds of restorations. How do you get into that like that? Actually, we've done over 400. Oh, my gosh. Building. But um, it goes back to our mission of strengthening and enhancing the communities that we operate in by, by redeveloping neglected neighborhoods. Well, neglected neighborhoods tend to be in the city and they tend to have a lot of historic buildings. So we became, we became very proficient at, at restoring these buildings because in order to fulfill our mission, that's what we had to do. Now say that mission again because I think that's important for people to hear who are redeveloping in the city and who are doing things in the city. So the Restoration St. Louis, our company, its mission is to strengthen and enhance the communities that we operate in by redeveloping neglected neighborhoods and making them great places to live, work, and play. And you've done that where in St. Louis so people know? We started in the U-City Loop, and we did about, uh, what, about 25, 30 buildings there. And then Skinker de Bolivar, where we did over 100 buildings. Wow. And uh, The Grove, where we've done over 100 buildings. Um, in fact, we have 23 under construction currently. So, yeah, we'll be well over 100 there. Um, the uh, St. Louis University, the block of Lindell. 3,700 block of Lindell, mm-hmm. we spent over $100 million there. Wow. Uh, the Gate neighborhood, we've, uh, where the Teresa School is, right. uh, we've redeveloped uh, a large number of properties along Park Avenue. Um, let's see, uh, we've, we've done a few, little bit in Soulard as well, so that's another neighborhood we've been involved in. Um, what other name? Oh, we, Davenport, Iowa, of course, downtown Davenport, Iowa, mm-hmm. uh, where we own two hotels. Oh, one in a Daniel Burnham building. Mm-hmm. But we also uh, own like three city blocks worth of buildings there because what happened was we got there. The city had asked us to come and do uh, their big, iconic downtown hotel. Think the Chase Park Plaza, for mm-hmm. example. And um, we started on that project and there was a building across the street that um, – was basically falling in on itself. And it was the oldest building in Davenport, Iowa. It's called the Forest Block Building. And we just kept looking at it. And 
honestly, we started as building huggers. We didn't start to do a neighborhood. It just kind of happened. And when it started happening, we realized how much it would change a neighborhood. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of how we got into it. But we started as building huggers. And we're still those people who drive around going, oh, my gosh, that's so cool. Maybe we should. Oh, could we do that? That would be so cool. And so... You know, when we were in Davenport, there was this building and it's falling in on itself and we get the history of it. And it's the oldest building in Davenport. And so we called the city one day Mm. and said, "Okay, so if we wanted to do that building and they almost jumped for joy. I mean, it was well. the building was about to get torn down. And, And strangely enough, in 1974, it had launched the preservation movement in Davenport. And so a lot of other buildings got preserved. But this one was basically just a shell with the roof falling in. And so it never got developed. Well, it's 24 beautiful apartments now. We redeveloped it. We actually had the entire redevelopment done in less than a year. You know, and that's what I've, I've seen in the city during the late 60s and 70s, and especially we talked earlier when the Gateway Mall was being developed and everything like that, and, you know, buildings were being knocked down be- or, or abandoned. There was a lot of uh, people leaving the city, and so these buildings were just kind of left and uh, boarded up. Uh, obviously, the uh, famous bar building now is is right. empty, and right. many other buildings. And people are trying to do some renovation. The old Jefferson Arms apartment building, which is supposed to be a hotel, also on um, what is that Tucker? So uh, when you when you come upon something like that, and you you present that like to the city of Davenport or to to whom you would present that here into the city of St. Louis. Are you always met with open arms or are people like, well, you know, here we go again, you know, uh, there's another boutique hotel going in and what's what's going to happen here? Well, I mean, I think it depends on the city you're in, but um, St. Louis is a very complicated place. We often uh, try to affect change in city policy. I was at a downtown SDL meeting yesterday saying, you know, we, we should not have 42 development uh associations, right? We've got a regional commerce and chamber and a, you know, a county chamber and a city chamber and a city downtown. And, you know, you just, we shouldn't have so many things. It creates fragmentation. And um, I think it hurts the city of St. Louis. Um, But I think um, at least we are lucky enough that so many people in the city recognize that, um, you know, by coming in and redoing these buildings, that we're making an impact. And we get a lot of calls. We get calls from P- from neighborhoods in the city, P. Aldermen who call us and say, can you come? Can you look at this neighborhood? Can you look at this street? Can you look at my, you know, and some places it's difficult because there's no employment. Um, you you have to go somewhere where there's employment. It I starts think, with employment. Yeah. If Everything we were going to bang any drum, it would be we need one giant chamber whose only job is to go out and find businesses to come and move into our Create town. Jobs. I mean, if you look at the difference between, you know, Indianapolis or Nashville or even Davenport, Lord. Iowa, you know, Davenport's got new businesses coming in in droves. They're going to get a Boeing plant. Why don't we get that? And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that if you have 42 agencies and they're all going in different directions, right, instead of one big agency whose job is to go get those jobs. Yeah, it's uh, we had, had it's Terrence Jones from UMSL on University of Missouri-St. Louis about talking about his book Fragmentation, Fragmented by Design, which talked about that city-county thing. And, you know, agencies develop 
uh, I guess sometimes because they they see a need or because maybe somebody internally wants to do that and 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 uh, cause some kind of change. But as you think about that, it's easier to join an agency that's already mm-hmm. been working and moving, and it, so it can help build more steam and get more traction in, in what's going on. We talked uh, off air about jobs and things like that. You also you, you need jobs, but you also provide jobs through the facilities that you yes. have, have done. Yeah, we the, have over 800 people that work for us now. But just, just the construction project, uh, um, uh, in fact, uh, here's a fun fact for you. For the last 90 days of the construction on Hotel St. Louis, uh, we had a one-man year of work being put into that building every day. Wow. So there's 90-man years of work that was created in the St. Louis market in the last 90 days just because of one project. Do the contractor, who's the contractor on that? or is it, It's BSI. BSI. Yes. When they are on site and they were looking at this building because it, it is, is such a gem and because of the things that you uncovered, like his original plaster uh, work there and, and also the stained glass thing, do they have the same kind of appreciation or uh, is it like, okay, well, yeah, that's nice? And Oh, no, they, they definitely do. They've been working with us for 20 years, and that wouldn't happen if they didn't. I, I often think, though, that they're very patient with us. I have to give a big shout out to the guys at BSI because I can't tell you how many times, you know, they'll call me and they'll go, okay, we found this or we found that or, you know, demo and covered this. And I stop and like hold my hands up and go, stop. No, you can't do anything now. We have to redo all the plan, right? Because we found this thing. I, I mean, on this building alone, so there was a there was a beautiful uh, plaster ceiling in the elevator lobby. It wasn't very big, but it was, uh, um, think of like a coffered plaster ceiling um, that was done probably in the 30s or 40s would be my guess. But it was really beautiful. And we had said, well, okay, we don't have any original plaster work here. We didn't have anything to work with. So we were going to keep that. And then one of the guys putting the HVAC in it's hel- it was held up. It was suspended. So he clipped one of the lines and a big piece of it fell, right? And so they all called me and said, okay, now what do we do? Do we have to, like, put that back? And I get there, and, of course, we're shining a flashlight up, and that's where we found the original Lewis Sullivan wow. plaster. It was above that later plaster. So. Wow. Right? <laughs> so, so then I'm standing there, and I'm like, okay, plans changed. Right, right. Cut yeah. all that down. <laughs> throw it away. We're going back to this. And they're all looking at me like, have you lost your mind? Right. But they're very, um, I feel like they're very patient with us because every day we come in and go, wait, 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 look at this. Right. So. No, I, and that's what I really appreciate about uh, you two and the conversation that we had this morning is that, you know, going back to those original things, you, you can cover over them and nobody sees them, or maybe not ever know that they're there. But if you find those and can show that as to how the architect originally wanted that building to be seen, we talked about how, you know, uh, you, you took the second floor. Talk a little about, so the listeners can hear this, when you walk into the entrance of the building, you see the elevators in front of you and they're, uh, or they brass? They're brass. Yeah. Glorious. Big, Br- cast brass. Unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. And then... This, the second floor, which is kind of like an atrium area, you never saw because it was covered over. But now, visually, you look back, and above the second floor, you see elevators again that you've put some... So we, we, we uh, yes, we uh, mimicked the first floor uh, marble in such a way that visually 
it's all very in in sync. So you you see the elevators on the first floor, and then you see the the marble exact same marble on the second floor, and so it all looks right. It doesn't. It's not discordant. You know, and we sense? we talked about that at the end of our tour. That, uh, and I'll probably emphasize this point again because it's I think it's something worth emphasizing is that many times how you feel comfortable in a facility or in a building has to do with atmosphere about the people, but it also has to do with the atmosphere that the building is exhibiting to you. And architects, really good architects, can design a facility to make things obviously flow. And we, we're talking about the other two words, which were function and form. Right. And rather than have a building that's just kind of designed and, oh, he's got a bunch of office spaces there, or it's a hotel, it's just a bunch of rooms, that he really put a flow into this, and the function was this, and so he designed the form to make it uh, invite you in and keep you involved, especially on the outside. I mentioned that we don't look at the outside of buildings too much, but this building is just crazy incredible. Especially when you look up. It, it, oh, yeah. yeah, you have to look up. But, I mean, it it's funny. <laughs> it originally had these enormous gargoyles. They were, like, 14 story, feet tall. Yeah. Yeah, two and stories tall. They're ridiculous, right? And so we've had, over the years, people email us saying, oh, they took those gargoyles off and they buried, they them dumped quarry, them in a quarry. I had some guy volunteer to go dive uh, for scuba and dive <laughs> for these. And I said, you know, I'm not directing you to go do anything that's dangerous, but if you find them and you pull them out, let me know, right? But but I'm definitely not going to, you know, direct you or pay you to do anything that's that dangerous. Um, but it, it's been funny, you know, people will bring up all these different things that were on the front of that building. But when we started putting, we we ordered new cast stone based on the original castings of the building, which was some of which we had in the basement. Um, when they left, started left from the 1920s renovation, wow! Some of those pieces were in the basement. <laughs> wow! Buried. We found them, <laughs> and so we we did this cast stone. And when it started going up, the people that walk around downtown at their lunch hour and stuff, I would walk. I would walk into the building at 11 o'clock, and you just see people standing out there with their mouths open, watching this cast stone go up. You know, because they were so excited by it. Yeah. Because it really is beautiful. So it's it, that part has been really fun. You know, we go back to um, when the building, uh, the site of the building, which I didn't know this, but it was very interesting, was Henry Shaw's house. Yes. And it was the house that was moved to the brick current by site. Brick, to brick the by Botanical brick. Garden. Yes. And you kind of pay a little homage to Henry Shaw in the uh, stained glass that's uh, going in. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, we are we're putting in a um, 32 pane stained glass um, ceiling mural, basically, um, by a young artist here in town, Adam Johnson. And he, um, when we were doing it, he said, you know, it's pretty, but I don't think it's as pretty as it could be. And we started talking about it, and we started talking about you know, Lewis Sullivan designs. And then we started talking about Shaw. So we decided to add some of Shaw's favorite flowers to the stained glass design in order to do a little bit of an homage to Shaw and the fact that his home stood there. Yeah. I mean, even Lewis Sullivan did an homage to Shaw because he created this beautiful space up on the roof. Right. And we're kind of mimicking. That's where our bar and restaurant called Form is going to be. Yeah. And he had, there was, there was like a greenhouse up there at the time, correct? For the uh, original? Yes. yes. 
Yeah, originally, yeah. Like a big uh, observatory slash greenhouse. Yeah, yeah. And and the view up there is, is going to be, well, it is incredible, but when the restaurant goes in, it's, it's even going to be more gorgeous. Yeah. It's going to be a great place to uh, bring a guest and get a get a view of the city and, and the river. And you can really uh, see... Uh, how things are developing in the city. You know, after break, uh, we're going to come up on break here, but I'd, I'd like, kind of like to talk about uh, from the very beginning of the building at the, at the Shaw Mansion and then kind of work our way up a little bit, but also get into uh, what your design scheme was when you walked in. You know, I see a lot of fleur-de-lis. I see a lot of, of um, the patterns that Sullivan put into uh, the building are, are again, not mimic throughout, but are are flow throughout in in your designs, in your rooms, and things like that. I want to want to talk about that. So, uh, folks, we've got uh, Amrit and Amy Gill, and uh, they are uh, uh, renovating Hotel St. Louis. They've been doing this the last eighteen months. I I couldn't believe that eighteen months to get a renovation of a what is it fourteen stories? Sixteen. Sixteen. Yeah. Sixteen with story the building. Yeah, and. Uh, 18 months has just the, been the construction, construction process. It was a long time before that because we also had to do architectural plans. Well, good, uh, you know, pulling off good renovations or good building always comes off of good planning. And you, you, when you get that planning done right, then uh, and the plans done, everything that you're going to do, little hiccups like uh, what do we do with this uh, molding that fell down? This <laughs> that, that's a little hiccup, but it makes things a lot smoother and a lot easier to to take care of. You no, know, so we're glad that you're in in here because we're going to talk more about Lewis Sullivan. This is Arnold Stricker of Intune. You're listening to KWRH LP 92.9 FM, your community radio station in Webster Groves, Missouri. Hey, we're having a good time here on In Tune. You're listening to KWRHLP 92.9 FM. We have Amrit and Amy Gill in from Hotel St. Louis. And this 130-room hotel, it's going to fly the flag of Marriott International's autograph collection. 165,000 square feet building that has been, uh, was originally built in 1893, a Lewis Sullivan, Adler and Sullivan design building. And uh, with some remodeling work in 1920, and they've done just a unbelievable job of bringing this beauty back to life. So let's talk about. I was reading uh, about this. Uh, it was after Henry Shaw's house was moved that this property, like you said, uh, Amrit, was eight thousand square, eight thousand dollars a linear foot on Olive, mm-hmm. and then on Locust it was two thousand dollars a linear foot. So this was prime real estate in St. Louis. It was the most expensive real estate deal ever done in St. Louis. Uh, you know, it was, it was in today's dollars, just the land alone was one hundred and thirty-eight million dollars. Yeah, it, it is crazy, and the uh, I found this, this fascinating that the land was sold. Uh, and they sold the rights to, I guess, to build the building, but the land was sold for a 99-year lease at $10,000 a year, and one of the chief people who was involved in that was the founder of the Chicago trade. And so it's like all of this stuff kind of, you know, Chicago and Louis Sullivan, who had his offices up there, but he was building in St. Louis, built uh, the uh, St. Nicholas Hotel also, and there's another building that was knocked down. Uh, well, the, four, four buildings, I believe. Uh, yeah, I can't four. remember the name of the last building, but yeah. But the St. Nicholas was knocked down, which is really a shame because it was another Lewis Sullivan building that was downtown. And then uh, one of the funny things that we haven't quite 
dug deeply enough to find out is there is a Sella family person whose maiden name is Adler. So during that time period, so I have a feeling that there's some familial connection Connection, between the Adler who was the architect and the Adler who ended up in St. Louis, whose family ended up commissioning the building of the hotel. But I, we haven't gotten pure speculation at this point. (laughs) Yes, he also did uh, things we probably would not see, uh, some mausoleums. Actually, he did... Uh, Val Fountain Cemetery. Yeah, yeah. Wainwright's, uh, his wife's mausoleum, which is kind of called the, the Taj Mahal of Missouri or St. Louis. It's, it's this unbelievable kind of structure there. And several other mausoleums he did in, in uh, Chicagoland. So the guy really... Um, and, and we're going to talk more about him in the second hour, but uh, he was... He was a very interesting individual. You know, something that a lot of people don't know is there's only 30 Lewis Sullivan buildings still in existence in the United States, which is out of 256 that were built. Wow. Yeah, it's a shame. That's a shame. And um, some of the better ones are actually in small towns in um, Iowa and uh, places like that. And the reason why uh, we did, I did some research on this a while ago is there was a company called the Bank Building Corporation of America. And those guys, uh, they were, it was a, a bunch of banks, bankers. And of course they had money and they commissioned these great architects to do great bank buildings, right? Across the Midwest. Including and Daniel so, Burnham. Yeah, yeah. Daniel Burnham, Lewis Sullivan. So there are these amazing bank buildings. There's one in Clinton, Iowa that we know of, one in Sioux City, Iowa, where hmm. they had these amazing architects build these amazing buildings in the middle of you know, nowhere, nowhere. basically. <laughs> but, uh, but the buildings have survived, which is really cool. And, um, but there's only 30 Lewis Sullivan buildings in existence, and two of them are right downtown. Yeah, and those are the only two in Missouri. But the name of our restaurant kind of pays homage to that fact as well, the fact that there's only 30. There's only 30. And mm-hmm. and it was also the, uh, this building was the 30th. Building on the National Register. On the National Register, right. That's that's very interesting. So you walk into the hotel, you see, uh, you know, you have a, a lobby like you normally do. But uh, let's talk about some of the uh, amenities that you have there at the, at the hotel. Union 30, the, the restaurant there, that is a breakfast, lunch, and dinner rest, uh, mm-hmm. restaurant, correct? Mm-hmm. And it's an homage to the fact that it was the Union Trust building, but also that it's a union between, um, you know, St. Louis foods. Um, our chef likes to say it's w- what your mom would do if she went to culinary school, grandma, or what your grandma, grandma would make would if she went yeah. to culinary school. And so um, it's definitely St. Louis based and St. Louis themed. And we have 128 local St. Louis food purveyors who have food there. I think that things. Multiple that, farms and bakeries and, you know, so. So things that we're really proud of, for example, is uh, one of the local uh, bakers does uh, gooey butter cake, which, of course, you know, we're St. Louis. We love gooey butter cake. The thing that people don't realize, and we haven't publicized it because then people won't eat it, (laughs) is it's gluten-free gooey butter cake. What? And (laughs) so we let people eat it, and then we tell them it's gluten-free because otherwise I was afraid they wouldn't try it. But it's so amazing, and it's this local girl who's a baker in St. Louis and has her own little bakery. In Webster. In Webster, yeah. yeah. Wow. And, uh, and, you know, our granola is made by 
people from Kirkwood and you know so everything that we incorporated into our menu we tried to get local people to supply us um, just to have a little fun with it I mean we're we have Gus's pretzels in the afternoon we you know because it's all stuff that we love. Right right, right, right. Well, there's over 165 local St. Louis vendors that are providing goods and services to the hotel right now. And what a great thing for them, but what a great thing for the hotel and the people who come to stay that they see, wow, look at all this. This is what's going on in St. Louis. You're, you're kind of like a, a, a nexus point for a lot of businesses where people might be coming in from out of town and getting a, a, their first glimpse of St. Louis. And mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a very positive one. And we've talked about that off the air, about right. that we need to be more positive. And we've also discussed it on the show. We need to be more, more positive about the things that are going on in St. Louis that actually are, are good and are working well. They're amazing. And, yes. and, and really uh, capitalize on that. So I have the uh, dinner menu in front of me, Missouri foraged mushroom ravioli. Uh, we've also got, um, I love this, classic hill fettuccine alfredo. Then we've got some, the Redbird Brewster, the St. Louis South Cider. A couple of interesting things, too, in the um, the dining room area. <coughs> your, uh, bless you. They're, um, the uh, napkins are... It's it's like you're at Your grandma's. grandma's house. Yes. <laughs> so when we were doing the restaurant, I, I always, you know, you go to a restaurant and they always have like the fancy knives and forks and then they have like your white napkin. And I just thought it would be really fun. Um, my mushroom friend says we foraged for uh, napkins and um for silverware in every resale shop in Missouri, basically, <laughs> um, the Miriam shop ladies now know me by name, and um, and they're appreciative. And uh, so we went out and got, um, you know, uh, silver plate and, uh, you know, grandma's napkins and lots of linen napkins. Lot, they're I mismatched. Yeah, just like grandma would put at at the table. Right, you know, it's more homey. Grandma, that's what she did. It's right. homey. And so we, I always laugh. Somebody's going to show up and say, you know, oh my gosh, this is my family's silverware <laughs> yeah. growing up. There's our uh, emblem right there. Right, exactly. But um, but just to make it, you know, more a real taste of St. Louis, I feel like that's so. So coming back to the mushroom ravioli and the hog jowl ravioli, Ooh. we make the filling. Ooh. We then send it to the pasta company. I believe it's the one down on Cherokee. Yeah, yeah. They make the ravioli for us and ship it back to us. Okay. So it's a little more effort. It's, in fact, a lot more effort to do it this way. But it's fresh, and it's it's wonderful. And you've got so. a huge kitchen down there. You told me. I haven't yes. seen it, but you told me that was as big as the ballroom, and the ballroom's yeah. 5,000 square feet. Yeah. That's crazy. And we make our own bacon in house, and yeah, we, um, we do our own pickles in house, and you know we do a lot of stuff in house. Oh, you're 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 speaking speaking my language here now. <laughs> so we go from uh, from dining downstairs to let's shoot all the way up to the the rooftop, which will be Form Sky Bar on top of the uh, the uh, building, and you're going to have some cocktails and some small plates up there, and that's going to have that that magnificent view. Of looking south toward, you can see uh, the the old courthouse. You can see the river. It's it's really going to be a destination place. Frankly, I think. It'll be beautiful. And if you don't like that, folks, you can actually look at the terracotta. Unbelievable kinds of work that was done. Uh, that's still on the side of the building and, and that was preserved. And then you have a spa that's going to be there. Correct. Yes. But in between the form uh, uh, rooftop bar and. Um, um, 
the hotel, we have apartments. We have luxury apartments as well. Okay. And if they people want to, uh, they can they can call Hotel St. Louis for some information on the apartments there. Sure, yeah. Sure. Or we our local leasing company is called Front Door STL. Okay. So, um, but you know it's funny we have this young architect who works for us, and I have to give him a shout out. Nathan Zierer is our architect. There you go, Nathan. And uh, <laughs> but he he had so much fun with this project. It was it's almost as much fun for us. We have all these young people who work for us, and. Um, he had almost as you know, it's fun for us to watch them work on these projects because they're so passionate. And um, Nathan's a young guy from Chicago, came to Missouri to go to college, married a girl from from Kirkwood, right? Thanks, Sarah. There you go. And uh, and you know now St. Louis is his home. They have a home in Benton Park, and you know just watching how. Um, they just fell in love with the city of St. Louis and how he's fallen in love with this building and, you know, has every day he's down there six, eight hours a day, you know, just making sure that the project is perfect. It's really been a lot of fun. Well, and you're working on the father of architecture's <laughs> building. And that's, that's like, uh, for any architect, that would be the thing to do. Yeah, well, and he grew up in Chicago. Yeah, and you know, yeah. going on Lewis yeah. Sullivan field trips, and right. then here he is, or, or the and, River and, Architecture or, tour, or Frank Lloyd Wright field trips. Yes, and strangely enough, Frank Lloyd Wright had a hand in this building. I'm well. glad you said that because I didn't know that that Frank Lloyd Wright actually was worked as an understudy for six years for. Um, uh, or Lewis Sullivan. Lewis Sullivan, yeah. yes. And we didn't know that he had anything to do with this building until we went to New York at the Museum of Modern Art, and there was a letter there from Frank Lloyd Wright talking about this building. No kidding. So, yeah, we didn't, we had no clue. We had no we, idea. There was a Frank Lloyd Wright exhibit at the museum, and, you know, like you try to good, be good parents, you drag your kids to the museums, right? And so we drag our kids to the museum, and we're like, oh, there's a Frank Lloyd Wright exhibit, and the kids are like, oh, no, please. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to Another read one? every plate. Now. Right, and so we said, okay, you know. So we go in, and, and there's this letter from Frank Lloyd Wright saying this is going to be, this project in St. Louis is going to be my last one before I, he went out on his own mm. and so so that really makes you you know kind of laugh that here we are in a project that Frank Lloyd Wright worked on well and I see some similarities in some of his work and design and Sullivan's design like the hand uh, not handrails but the um, stairway uh, there's a word for that I can't recall it right now the metalwork that you see yeah. going up oh, and okay. even on on the elevators and and just on a lot of the terracotta kinds of things. Well, here's an interesting factoid. All the uh, uh, Lewis Sullivan buildings that are standing today are just blocks. They're just a solid square block. Even the Wainwright, it's just a square block. The St. Nicholas Hotel was a square block. This building, Lewis Sullivan designed as a capital H and built the Southern U, and then Ames and Young in 1905 added on uh, one leg of the, of the northern part. But... You don't see Lewis Sullivan buildings that are designed with these light wells in the middle. No, no. This is, this is a very unusual building because of that. And you showed me when we were down there where <clears throat> that uh, northwest leg of the H was going to be put on because there's actually, they look like doors, but they're, they're windows that are full length. Right. And Correct. where eventually that was supposed to go on at some point of time. 
I didn't even know it was, I thought, well, I guess they decided to add on to this building and they did it in the same kind of structure, but I didn't know it was originally designed It was originally like that. designed that place. Wow. And I think mm-hmm. that was Frank Lloyd Wright's influence on the design, or at least, mm-hmm. you know, that's yeah. our it impression. Because mm-hmm. it's very more light focused than Sullivan ever was, you know, and hmm. Frank Lloyd Wright was very light focused. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think that's interesting as well. It is. So you've got uh, a pool. Also, I didn't mention that. As you're sitting in the... Uh, the uh, top of the uh, form sky bar, you can look across and, and see the pool there. Actually, you can sit next to the pool if you want and be served uh, your lunch or whatever. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, In good weather. I wouldn't advise it today. <laughs> <laughs> a little chilly today. Um, fitness center, like most hotels would. Room service. Different kind of experience. You have some meeting rooms. Listen to uh, Folks, listen to this. You have the Vincent Price meeting room, the Josephine Baker meeting room, Maya Angelou boardroom, the T.S. Eliot meeting room, the Betty Grable meeting room, the ballroom, and then the Union Club lounge. Inside each, what makes each unique and what makes them all similar? Well, I think um, two of the one of the one of the boardrooms and one of the meeting rooms have the circular windows, which people are always in awe of. Those are so beautiful. But I think um, one of the fun things that we did was we tried to incorporate St. Louis artists into the hotel. So we have a dear friend who's an artist, who's an amazing artist. Her name is Fern Taylor. And she did the paintings of the people for the hotel. So each one of those rooms has an individual painting of that person in the room. Um, It's funny to me, uh, most of them don't have relatives that are still here in St. Louis. But um, Vincent Price's daughter actually lives here. She's a St. Louis native. And um, so we were able to show her her dad's portrait. And um, cool. she was thrilled with it. It was actually really sweet. She said, my dad would have loved this. She so, said it would probably have been his favorite portrait of yeah. himself. So, yeah. Which I thought was incredibly sweet. And, Absolutely. Um, and it's so funny that, you know, these St. Louis ties to people. But we tried to pick people that were not only from St. Louis, but loved their hometown. And and I think that that's pretty cool that all those people really did like their hometown. Yeah, I was going to say, how did you pick those individuals? I imagine that was difficult. Uh, it wasn't that difficult. I mean, certainly Tennessee Williams' name came up, but we didn't think he really liked this place that much. So <laughs> he got he's out. not represented. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, but it it was fun. And then in both of our uh, boardrooms, there are tables that are made by some young men from South St. Louis Studio Pseudo. And they're, um, you know, true St. Louis Southside hipster dudes, right? And who make homemade, beautiful tables. And we commissioned them to make these enormous boardroom tables out of uh, Missouri Walnut. And so so that's really fun for us to be able to have something. Very Frank Lloyd Wright. Mm-hmm. you know, tables. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, the, handmade yeah. by handmade. these guys with love. The right? legs on those and the, and the wallet on top was just gorgeous, absolutely yeah. gorgeous. And you talk about uh, South Side and some really giving uh, honor to the St. Louis spirit. Uh, I don't know if you want to say about the little card that you have in the rooms. <laughs> Oh, which which one? We we had a lot of fun with the with the, the stuff water, in the, the rooms, but we have a we have a, a card in the room. We give away metal water bottles, 
And um, we have a card in the room that basically says St. Louis has the best tasting water in the United States. And one of the things that Amrit and I notice, we travel a lot. And, um, you know, you go to a hotel, you walk in, they give you bottled water. You go up to your room, there's bottled water. You go to bed, there's bottled water. You wake up in the morning, you drink a bottled water. And then when you leave, you take bottles of water with you. And all of that, as we all know, is not it's not going to be feasible in the long term for us to do this, right? right? These bottles go somewhere. goes to and the Pacific Ocean. There's an island, a floating that's island. Correct. Yeah. That's that correct. That gets bigger so, every year, and so it's plastic. we just decided that we were not going to contribute to that, so we don't do bottled water at the hotel. We encourage people to take the water from the tap. It's beautiful St. Louis, Missouri water, and it tastes great, and um, just take it with you, you know, so you can take the water bottles that we have in your room and just take them with you. And our tagline at the end is if you're not a water drinker, some people aren't, um, just go down to the bar and drink our beer because it's all local beer made from local water. <laughs> there you are. And and you also talk about the, uh, uh, what's the word? Um, that's got the... No. Oh, wash. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. We, we say uh, if you'd like to have your linens washed, like most hotels, we don't want to wash the linens every day. It does add to, again, pollution. And um, so uh, we, we say, you know, we'll wash your linens every other day. But if you need us to do it, we'll be happy to wash it for you. Wash it, yeah. And it's spelled W-A-R-S-H. <laughs> that is not a typo. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what's going on there? <laughs> Oh, any things that um, you all think our listeners would find interesting about this place? Uh, you're open for business now, uh, for the, di- the dining experience, uh, also as for well stays. As, the, as well as the hotel. Right, yes. as well as the hotel. <laughs> and the expectation of uh, everything kind of being done, like the, the lounge upstairs, and uh, that's just pretty coming up oh, pretty yeah, quickly. Yeah, and uh, it'll all be open on the Sky Bar area by by the 1st of March. Okay. Um, you know, one of the things that we had a lot of fun with, I do have to give a shout out to Tom Ray at Vintage Vinyl, since this is a radio station. Um, <laughs> Tom Papa Ray, uh, who's an old friend because, you know, we grew up, we grew in, up the loop in the loop. And, um, so we asked him to curate a record collection for us. And there's a record player in every room. It's a Crosley record player made by a guy in St. Louis. So big shout out to them. Yeah. And uh, so Tom Ray curated a record collection for us. There's records in every room and um, a record player in every room. And for the younger people who don't know how to play a record, it is also a Bluetooth player. (laughs) But um, for those of us who grew up knowing and loving vinyl, it's just another St. Louis thing that um, we thought might inspire people to go out and explore some of our live music scene because we have an amazing live music scene in Missouri. Um, Go to Vintage Vinyl, buy albums. Mm -hmm. They'd love to have you there. And um, it's just another way to promote something that I feel like is very uniquely St. Louis. You can go out in St. Louis any night of the week and hear 50 different bands, 50 different kinds of bands. Really good bands. Yes. It's an amazing music scene. And so um, it's just our way of kind of promoting that in St. Louis. Well, and you, and you promoted as, as we flow through the rooms, as we walked into rooms, you, uh, there's also a, uh, a bedroom, and then there's like a sitting room area. There's a couple of those, uh, several of those, I should say. Uh, but you see the, the flow and the design on the carpet, on the, on the walls, on the draperies, on the designs of the lamps, and everything is really woven in, as I imagine Lewis Sullivan would have 
would have done as as Frank Lloyd Wright also did in in his uh, homes that he designed and buildings. So I really uh, saw a tremendous thought process and and um, and and love for. You have to fall in love with these buildings, and you say you're a you know a building hugger, but yeah. it's just true. They 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 capture you, and you you imagine what it's what was it like in its heyday, right when it was opened, and how can we recreate that and create that effect for the people who walk in? I think you've done a tremendously marvelous job of doing that, both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, you know, so it's, much. it was fun. We did a custom wallpaper in the rooms that's based on the on the. Lewis Sullivan design. The, I, we the tried, terracotta up on the roof is actually pulled into the rooms. Yeah. And then to bring St. Louis into it, we designed the headboards to look like the arch. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. just a little fun, have, having fun, with, you know. Um, well, all these, all these historic buildings become a labor of love, but this one was truly a labor of love for both of us and, and kind of our gift to the, to the people of St. Louis. Do you have a... Uh, uh, so you'll probably get some time back in your lives. Then uh, you won't have to be going down there all the time, or you, you working on, on future projects already. I'm sure you know one ends, another one begins, or they kind of cross over each other mm-hmm. like that. Well, we start the Seven Gables in on Monday uh, over in Clayton. Clayton yeah. uh, doing our last week, on we that. started on the Warrior Hotel in Sioux City, Iowa, which is an entire city block uh, uh, in the middle of Sioux City, uh, and their iconic hotel there. So. We're hoping to help them restart a revitalization of their downtown as well. Um, I think the funny thing is with everything we do is thinking through how do you revitalize, mm-hmm. you know, a downtown. It was funny for us. We would have never done a building in downtown Clayton. Definitely not who we are or <laughs> what we thought we would ever do. But the thing about it was that the – the guy who runs development in Clayton is yeah, actually from Davenport, Iowa. Oh, wow. And so he kind of knows our work. Yes. And so so he, he came to us, us and we... said, you really need to buy the Seven Gables Inn because we don't want somebody to tear it down and put up a high rise. Right. It's one of the oldest buildings in Clayton. That's correct. That's so, correct. Anyway. But, well, you've been listening to Amrit and Amy Gill talk about Hotel St. Louis and the work that they've done here in St. Louis, also in Iowa. And just the tremendous uh, things that Restoration St. Louis has provided uh, for our area that maybe you didn't know about, and maybe you've been in some of these buildings and didn't know, and like, wow, that's a great building. That you know, look what you know. I go down to the uh, the Moolah and watch movies, and it's just a, a great facility to walk in to see that building restored to uh, some of its glory, and uh, to be able to see some of the things that are going on and know some of the plans that are going to be happening to really continue to push St. Louis forward, revitalize it, build a positive atmosphere and a positive direction. Uh, Thank you very much for for coming on the show and for doing that for our community in St. Louis. Thank you. Thank you for having us. 